Sweet. Scott Millard, videospark.io. Scott, what's your Twitter? My Twitter, I think it's just Scott C. Millard. Millard? Scott Millard, Scott C. Millard. Oh, my yeah, that's gosh, I just said it wrong. Oh, it's no, so no embarrassing. <laughs> See, I don't know you. You don't know me. And here I am, first thing, first impression, just says your last name wrong. Uh, I think like 80, 80% of people say it like that at least. So I bet I stopped correcting people a while ago. So I stand corrected. Scott Millard. Okay. We're both in client ascension outside of that, man. Like tell us who you are. You run an agency making at least probably minimum $30,000 per month. You're crushing it. Like tell us a little bit more about who you are. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy doing this and I haven't gotten to be on a lot of these yet. So this is kind of something cool uh, to, to get into. But yeah, essentially, uh, I guess you could call it an agency. I more so classify it as a productized service. So I started and run VideoSpark and we are essentially a easy video solution for software companies to get short video ads done. Uh, I say it's a productized service because you can think about it kind of like instead of working with an agency and getting these custom project scopes and everything like that, we we make it as easy as possible with these preset packages um, to to get high quality studio level video animations essentially to to software companies all over the world. So I started this about yeah about a year ago, thirteen months, and yep, joined Client Ascension. 10 months ago, I think. So like a, only a couple months after I started it, I was doing like 3K a month. They helped me 10X. So we're, we're, we're bouncing between- This like is a client Ascension commercial? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I always have to shout them out because they really- Of course. My life. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you want to talk about it, but bef- before that, I let's see, I've been like in entrepreneurship for, for like five years. And I've like failed four businesses, I think, before this, like all in a row. Dude, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it, when people say, when people talk about that, you know, how they go through like four to 10 businesses, a lot of times it, it, I used to think it was like some motivational thing, but it's actually really true. Hard to hit it on your first one. I, I know a few people, I'm sure you know a few people as well who are kind of like those unicorns that just like hit it on their first business young. But dude, I'm in the same boat as you, like failed a number of times, but also made it enough to the point where we could both, you know, I guess I'm speaking for you a little bit, but we could both continue that entrepreneurial game. You know, we didn't completely fail. Like we're still in the game and now we're seeing great results. However, it took a long time. Took some yeah, and, and the the crazy thing too is when, and I can speak for you too now in exchange. But I feel like when you're when you get that first thing that works, you actually feel like you're just getting started, which is really weird because, like I said, you know you can fail five businesses, and it's really just like the tutorial round in a video game or something. So once yeah, yeah. once you get that first successful thing. You're like, wow, this really actually is the beginning. And and I think another interesting thing to add into, depending on... I'm not entirely sure who your demographic for, for this is, but I thought that life kind of like the end-all be-all was like 10K a month or whatever. Hey, dude. Oh, been there. And maybe it was and, before inflation. Maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's really just the beginning and like yeah. not being forced to basically go into a job and be on that set schedule and stuff is really the most life-changing thing from 
what I've experienced. So isn't that an interesting thing, the 10K a month? I even used to think like, oh, all I would need is 5K a month. And I've heard other people say that too. What started to change in your mind? Like what made you shift to the perspective that you have now that we're kind of talking about like 10K a month is just a start? Yeah, there's like two different ways to look at it. One is purely financial. So to cover that first and depending on where you are, obviously, well, I guess not obviously, but I'm based in the US and I don't, you're, are you a US citizen? You're traveling so much. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I no, am, okay. Yeah. So you know how the taxes work, right? So you make yeah, 10K a month. That tax bracket, I guess, depending on what state you're in, let's just say it's like 25% or 20%. Okay. So there goes 2K and now you're left with 8K. Let's assume even if you're doing it all by yourself and you don't have like even one team member, so you're left with 8K, that's like a pretty good amount of money, right? But then you also add in what your rent is, what food is, maybe, you know, you're maybe basically left payment. with like, yeah, like what, like two $2,000, $1,500 a month yep. for dis- disposable income. You know, most people have debt, like college debt or something. And so you can't really do that much with like $1,500. And so that's from the financial perspective is like, okay, so that's actually not that much. Oh yeah. And then you have your tech stack for running your business or whatever. I mean, sure. mine is oh, like gosh, 1200 yeah. a month alone. Costs have, in your business. Right. I have Slack. I have cold email software. I have I've obviously paid for client ascension. So you're talking about all that stuff. What I found after that number is that it's more about, I started initially doing it for the money. Like I'm sure basically, you know, I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure a lot of people start off doing it for the money. And the thing about the 10K a month, aside from that financial perspective that we just talked about, is your, I hit a certain point. I think this was probably when I started doing like 17 to like 22K a month. I'm like this, yeah, the, I need the money and I like money and I'm very financially motivated and all this stuff and it's cool. A lot of people say it's like the number on the scoreboard thing, but I really started feeling like this was the best form of personal development I've ever went through. And it turned more from being about the money to like basically pushing it as hard as I can and finding where my limit is and challenging myself to build something that's bigger than me. And yeah, so I I would say that's like the more long-term thing. But yeah, zero to... 12k a month it's definitely about the money deep wow he brought his a game today like what is bigger than you mean let's talk about that if you'd like let's see bigger than me so i get it's probably different for everyone but ever since i was like really young i i don't necessarily have an age for it but i always remember just feeling like i could do something that was bigger than me whether that was like getting famous or being a CEO, or really any any role that manifested itself into. So that's personally where I stand is just, I always just felt uh, a kind of a joke in the space is like ordained by God. Like some people say that, right? Sure, like sure. You just feel like you're, you're meant to do that. So that's one part of it. Another part is it's really, really cool to... So my team, I do have some people in the US. I also have some people that are not in the US. And a lot of them are very young, like younger than me. So I'm 23. Some of the people on my team are like 19 and they're very talented. 
And so looking back, I remember what, you know, I was going through at 19, like on my journey to try to make money and all that stuff. And to be able to give that back to those people that I see myself in kind of is a really cool experience. So that's another thing. And we're talking about paying them very well, depending on what their role is and what they do, like more than I was making when I was that age. Hmm. So that's really awesome. We're talking about working with people. I think all over the world is very cool. I've gotten to work with people from the US, Germany, Sweden, the UK, places like that. So holistically, just building something bigger than yourself can mean a lot of things for a lot of people. But for, for me, that's what it means. Could also mean you know building a business that stands the test of time, right? For right. other people, it continues long after you're gone. Right. Which that would be, that's an interesting thing. Like, I wonder what that looks like for people like us in the agency space over the next 60, 70, 80 years. I don't know. I think there's a lot of schools of thought here. I think some people might say, well, an agency is just a stepping stone to help you do XYZ, build the SaaS, whatever it might be. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this space of ours plays out over the next 60 years and beyond. Yeah, where do you stand with the AI stuff? I don't know, man. I don't really stand anywhere. Like, I'm just kind of observing and use it for myself personally. Like, just ask it for feedback on stuff. Ask it to add spin tax for cold emails. And I'm leveraging it, I think, or optimally, or at least decently. Not sure. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it because it feels like one of those opportunities that doesn't really happen very often like maybe it'll happen like twice in our life in terms of positioning and everything so like i said with me being the age i am this is kind of the first opportunity that i've been able to have to to get in early on something like that i missed the now i know it was kind of like played out but i missed like the whole nft thing and and when crypto was was first newer before it had any super legitimate applications I feel like we're currently in that same stage for AI where it has some really, really good applications that we're already working to implement in our business. But I want to be able to to get in on that and ride that wave. Sure. Because so I missed that. And then during the whole COVID thing, I'd, a lot of people I saw in retrospect had like a lot of great opportunities that they took advantage of. And I was just scraping by, like trying to get some freelance projects online. So I, so yeah, I just I don't like missing out on things like that. Sure. I think that for anyone that wants to hop on an opportunity like that with AI, for sure, right now mm-hmm. will be a big thing. The dot com bubble. I I think that yeah. there's some comparisons there in the sense that like software as a service products are just kind of springing up like every single day by people that you never thought will be able to have some sort of SaaS. And I guess that's like the combination, the marriage of artificial intelligence and then no code application builders like Bubble and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like there's a lot of those, a lot of people leveraging Bubble, no code and and AI in combination. I don't know. I think that there's some comparisons to maybe 25 years ago when websites were springing up and right. there was, you know, and, and, and IPO in, and it was like kind of crazy. And a lot of them aren't around today. They didn't make it even five years really. 
I don't know. I think I could probably say the same for a lot of the software as a service products kind of springing up right now. Like a lot of them won't be alive five years from now. That said, this is like still when you look back in history, same thing with the dot-com bubble, like that was pivotal. Like the internet was coming online, not like artificial intelligence is like coming online. This is revolutionary in a way that I don't think either of us really understand. I certainly don't understand it. I mean, you seem to have a little bit more insight into it than I do. That's for sure. I'm sitting here like, I don't know. You have some ideas yeah. at least. I'm not su- like I'm not like super tech genius or anything like that. I think that the similarity and what it comes down to between now and what's happened in the past is it seems like it always comes down to product market fit. And this is something that's relevant to why this f- business I have right now worked. And it was the first out of, you know, however many is I think with anything to be successful like that, regardless if it's tech or not, like you, you need to have something good that has even better positioning. So in the case of AI, like the only ones and no code SaaS, like the only ones that will last are the ones that have product market fit, even if mm-hmm. quality was the same across the board. So that that would be my prediction for that. Like look at why Salesforce is so big, right? Product market fit. Right. I, at least I think. I, see. I could yeah, be wrong, yeah. but would you say that that's like a good lens to look at things through when considering to start some some other venture or launch a product? Like is that the lens that you would look at look at it through for your next yeah, venture? There's there's probably a couple you could look through, but from my experience and seeing what has happened in the previous businesses and why they didn't work and then looking at other successful businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't have product market fit, then like no one- What's an example of like a bad one? Bad product market fit. You know, like an actual business or just or just in- Theoretical, like yeah. Anything. So I'll use I'll I'll use one of the previous like businesses we we had. So one of them was the first one I ever did was like a vacation rental property management agency, which sounds like it might be a good idea with the popularity of Airbnbs and, you know, all this like fractional real estate investing and stuff. Yep. And there was a couple other factors that made the business not work either, like the sales model and stuff like that, which is why I said there's more than one lens you can look through. But essentially that didn't work because we positioned ourselves in Vail, Colorado, which is, again, sounds good because that's like where the highest demand is essentially for short-term rentals in the United States. And we did all the research and stuff. What we didn't realize is that the competition there is also the highest. So we came in as basically in, and I kind of hate saying like a market saturated because that's not always necessarily true. But like we were trying to compete against like six other major, major agencies that actually like basically got brought up in every sales conversation we had. So that was an uphill battle. So that would be an example. It's like hard to do. It's like launching a project management software to compete with ClickUp or Airtable. So that's the thing. It's like it's not a bad product. No. And it's in a good market. It's just that version of the product market fit why it didn't work was there was already companies that had filled that market gap so you need to find 
a market gap. So what would have been better for us probably in retrospect is actually coming up with an offer or service that wasn't the actual management itself, but you know, talking about the SaaS, maybe we would have came up with a software where you can, you know, list your own rental instead or you can recruit people to, you know, manage your rental for you. I don't know, I'm just kind of spitballing, but it's like wasn't a bad market. It just was the wrong kind of business model and sales model. And we went into it with too much competition. So product market fit is like a very broad term, honestly. And there's a lot of little things that go into it like that. But that would be an idea of a horrible product market fit. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about you and your journey. You want to do that? Sure. How did you get here? Broad question. <laughs> so, okay, I'll start. I'll give you like a five-minute version. So, I'm from Minnesota originally. I went to high school. Basically, you know, first through 12th grade, I, I, I did not enjoy school at all. I didn't enjoy a second of it. So, I wanted to take a gap year after I graduated high school. My, you know, God bless my family, but they're all like engineers and nurses and stuff. So, when I was going to do that, you know, I had external pressures that were like my family and some other people that wanted the best for me. And so they were like, you know, this is like an awful idea. There's no way that this happens. So I started applying to just, you know, wherever I probably only applied to like three schools and I got to, I got waitlisted at like all of them basically. And then I was doing a Google startup weekend, which for anyone that doesn't know what that is, Basically, you get together, it's sponsored by Google, and you get together with a group of people you've never met before. And within like 48 or 72 hours, you go from basically idea on a napkin to MVP business model, and you pitch it in front of everyone and stuff. It's a really great experience. I highly recommend it. And at one of those events, I went to two or three. And at one of those events, the like the associate dean of some school was like, hey, have you seen this program? You should apply to it. And at this point, I was like, I had applied to schools, but I already knew. I was like, I was like, this is, this just isn't right. But she's like, well, there's this new scholarship. It's for entrepreneurs. You should apply, whatever. So I applied to it. It was a full ride scholarship. I ended up getting it. And I felt like I didn't really have a choice when I got offered it. And like, it would be really stupid to not go to school and say no to that. So I went there. I was there for one semester. I would say like a weekend. I already knew. I was like, there's no way this is what I'm supposed to do. Like it just feels <laughs> so wrong. And it was a hundred thousand dollar scholarship. And so I went to them and I'm like, hey, I ended up meeting this guy who was like my first mentor. And that's how we started the the Colorado vacation rental thing. I'm like, I'm gonna go try this thing out. Here's the business model. Here's all of the numbers on the market and everything. And and she's like, you can't do this. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is an entrepreneurship program. What? You're telling me I can't do this. So they basically were like, if you leave, you'll be you know, giving up your scholarship. So I ended up leaving a semester in. I packed up all my stuff Sweet. into my 2010 Honda Accord or something like that. And I drove from Minnesota to Colorado. I lived in Eagle Vale, Colorado, which is halfway between Vail and Beaver Creek for 10 months to a year. It was like the best and worst thing ever. 
it was the best thing ever because I was getting a lot of time in solitude at a very young age. I was just reading, studying, looking at mountains, working out, all that kind of stuff. I had a lot of time to myself for the first time in my life. To that's so important. Yeah, like I don't want to. I want to understate and just highlight all the things like that. That's so critical. I, I went through a similar, similar period, similar thing at, at that same age, probably. That just like yeah, changed everything. And I feel like with technology and everything, a lot of people don't get to do that. Yeah. Well, it's getting let. Yeah, I went through that phase at like that was probably 2017, 2018. And at that point, technology and Instagram and social media was still like, it was easier to detach from it. Yeah. I didn't realize in the next five, six years how difficult it was going to become to get away from it. I mean, heck, it's in my back pocket right now. I got to get definitely designed it to be that way too. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the big changes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was super pivotal. And then basically say so right that business failed i moved back to minnesota i'm from a obviously video marketing background i mean you see the setup here and whatever but so i've been doing video since i started sophomore year of high school so that's like the only thing I left out i just bought a camera and was doing whatever so when i came back to minnesota i tried doing a very small like agency model with me and a, a friend and so we were just taking like video projects on the side, whatever, wasn't super scalable. I had, I still didn't really know anything about business because I just came off of like 10 months of that, just learning the very, very fundamentals. So I knew a little bit where like, I was like, but I still didn't know about sales or anything. So we struggled with that and we were still trying to run the the vacation rental thing, like part-time on the side. Like we kind of didn't let go of the horse on that one. And then the pandemic happened. They both failed in the same day. So I went from making 60K a year to zero mm-hmm. in one day. I remember looking happen? at the, how does that happen? Yeah. That just so, again, like bad business model. Didn't really know what I was doing. My friend had, didn't know anything about business. So he was leaving it up to me. He, we, he knew how to do camera stuff, but, and then the, the short term rental thing was because, on that day, Airbnb implemented a policy where I can't remember what it was, but anyone who had booked within like a the previous or future 60 or 80 days or something, they just gave them refunds to, to, to all the guests. So we lost all our bookings or future bookings in one day. And then because of the video stuff was in person, uh, we had a lot of weddings scheduled. All those got canceled. And for reference, you get paid like five to seven grand per wedding probably. Yeah. So we, we, when the video business, we were actually like, Oh, we might do like 30 K this quarter. Like that's like not a small amount of money. And then, so we lost all that. So those two businesses failed the same day kind of. And then during the pandemic, I just was like, had no idea what I was doing. It was like, it was terrible time for me. And I didn't really know how to look for opportunities or anything like that. Fast forward through that, I moved to Scottsdale, Arizona for one year and worked with a social media agency slash SaaS slash app. And that was really cool. I got a lot of cool experiences there. It was probably as much partying as working. 
And because uh, it is a social media app, so we'd sponsor events at bars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if I learned that much during that period, but it was just a really great period of being young and and going out and doing stuff. Ended up leaving that arrangement for probably about five different reasons that I won't get into depth on. So that was the first business that didn't fail, but it wasn't ran very well. And I knew that this was the most probably pivotal moment for me. I knew this was like 14 months ago, actually. So still super Mm. recent. I was like, I knew that I had to start making money, but I felt really lost. I didn't know what to do. So getting into my present era right now, I had a friend basically tell me, I took two months off after that and purposely and did nothing. Started applying to jobs, was like, again, same feeling as college. This isn't a good fit. Uh, A friend told me to start posting on Twitter. So I started doing that. Good timing. Oh, good and then, uh, yeah, this business <laughs> happened and that's how I got into client ascension is I heard Daniel and Andre on a Twitter space and he's like, you need to, <laughs> you need to do the domains and, and get multiple ones. Cause like they'll get burned. And I was like, what is this guy talking about? This is like, makes no sense. And that's when I got into the funnel and didn't know what funnels were either. So I got sold on that and I'm glad I did. Sweet. So that's my life story. (laughs) (laughs) So how did like, so 14 months ago, you were kind of at this crossroads, had one venture end, and then how did you stumble upon, you said you knew you needed to start making some money, found the client ascension guys. Yeah. How did the business materialize? What were the trials and tribulations and successes? So before the, the, I was posting for like probably two or three months and trying to get clients before I met them. I had gotten in a business partnership with someone and we did basically a rev share that didn't end mm-hmm. up working out because he didn't do as much as I thought he was committing to. Been there. So we broke that off. So I actually did like six or seven K those first two months. And I was like, oh, wow, you, you actually can make money online. The issue was I was giving him money uh, and all he really did was introduce me to like two people and build like a webflow template. And so that was when Man, I knew it was I've time. been there. I yeah. feel your pain. So and you got to break against, that off. You got to go against and, him necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And Same. He's, he's a bigger guy in the space. I won't mention he's a good dude, but I think sure. he's just doing a bunch of other stuff. So we broke that off and I was like, well, I know the online stuff works now. I know I need to start making money and People like these videos. I was making the same kind of videos I'm making now, but I was doing them for free and tagging like SaaS founders. So I did a video challenge where I posted one video a day for like 14 days or something. Mm. That got me from like 200 followers to like 1,200 over the course of about a month. And then I started getting these paid projects because the guy introduced me to people. So I knew that it worked, but... I was stuck at like 5K a month. And then that's when I got into the client ascension funnel because their their messaging was so good. It was literally meant <laughs> for me. It was like, if you're running an agency and you're stuck at, you know, like four to 6K a month and you don't know how to do sales, outbound marketing, all this stuff, join this program. So I learned more doing a year, not even a year, like 10 months or eight months of that program that I learned in like, I've ever learned doing anything else remotely close. I mean, I even was like, a, I tried being a real estate agent for six or eight months somewhere in that timeline that I told you about. And I'd sold <laughs> yeah, a house yeah. and I even learned more in client ascension than, than doing that whole process and like actually selling yeah. a house and stuff. It's ridiculous. So yeah. Yeah. 
Real estate's a shiny object too. I've been there. Mm. We have very similar journeys. You're like so a you're B2C you did therapist. You, what's that? You're like a B2C therapist. I yeah. thought that, yeah, I thought being an agent would be more about the actual real estate. It's actually more about like being someone's personal therapist and mm. it was ridiculous for me and I hated it. Interesting. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I would not choose that job. That's what it is, being a realtor <laughs> job. Yeah. It's all the downside, honestly. The only upside yeah. is there's no, your income's not capped, but for anyone that's thinking about it or or doesn't know what it is to explain it in 30 seconds basically you're an agent right so you're representing buyers or sellers and you can make a lot of money but you have to spend a lot of money too like mm. and upfront so my issue was i had no money and my broker was like hey man you need to do like marketing and stuff and he's like it's going to cost money and i was like i thought this was to make money <laughs> right so- yeah, yeah it's an interesting interesting job very interesting well dude what about like golden rules that you've learned that you would espouse out from your journey thus far what are like two or three things you okay yeah so the first one that took me like these a lot like a while to learn is the shiny object syndrome thing is is really real And you have to, at a certain point, maybe not before you found something that works, but once you find something that works, like I found this business, right? Like you just have to say no to like almost everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's just that that's, that's the one I've been practicing a lot lately and it's worked really well. What are some examples of things that you would say no to? So if someone... Well, one is actually like getting paid hourly. So I basically refuse to do that anymore. Like I don't okay. care if someone offered me $500 an hour, I'm basically saying no. And that's because there's no upside to that, especially I would say yes, if it was something very lucrative with like an equity play, but getting paid hourly is is just limiting like what you can make. And the, the way I would explain that is when you get paid hourly, you also can't really outsource it. I have a team for a reason and I don't outsource everything. Like I'm still doing a lot of creative direction, quality control. I'm coaching, you know, my team, stuff like that. But you need more leverage. Like hourly compensation does not give you leverage. You can leverage your specialized skill set, like an attorney to get paid like $400 an hour or whatever but you're capped at that. So the people, the reason that, you know, the people driving the Lambos or whatever, like 80% of them are business owners because they have leverage. They have more leverage than, than anyone else. So They're that's getting the, paid the first for thing. the, for the value that they produce right. rather than the time that they spend on the clock. Right. And it's a process too. I obviously like everyone else. I mean, my first job, I was like a bus boy or something, but same. I went. <laughs> Man, we. I'm excited to meet you. You're in. You're in Tampa, right? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I'm two hours down south in Naples, Florida. Normally, oh, awesome. I'll be around this summer. Okay. I got super burnt last time I went down there. And it's a. It's a process too. Like, okay, so you start getting paid hourly. There's nothing wrong with getting paid hourly. I'm just saying as an end. Sure. Like, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I'm <laughs> just saying is like an end goal. Your goal should be to have ownership in something and not be paid based on your time, right? The second thing that helped me besides that, maybe we'll count those as two. So like always be focused on what is working best or like one thing, and then always be thinking how you can be providing more value and leveraging stuff. And then the third thing is just consistency. It sounds so 
cliche and I'm sure this is the same stuff you hear on like every YouTube video or whatever, but I wouldn't have been able to like do this business if I wasn't showing up every day and not every day is a good day. Let me tell you that much. Like actually a lot of the days are worse than you'd like your good day, but you still have to show up and you know, do like the 1% improvement or even half a percent is, is, is going to help you along the way. So can't, can't work only when you feel like it as an entrepreneur. Yep. And yeah, your work isn't going to be necessarily as good on your worst days as it is on your best days, but you have to at least make an attempt. Totally. Consistency also, I would say in that just remaining commit. Now you also have to know, you have to know when to fold them, know when to hold them and know when to fold them, (laughs) but like remaining consistent in whatever your, whatever your offer is, instead of like changing every three to six or even 12 months, you just lose all that momentum. And then you get five years down the line and you're like, well, shit, if I just kept doing that one thing five years ago, if I'd stuck with that, remained consistent, I would actually be like super successful today. Yeah, Yeah. dude. I think about it too. Like there were so many things that I moved on from that I look back on and I'm like, wow, now I know people in that industry that did that thing at the same time as me that are like insane, insane levels of that thing now that I'm just like, wow, I shouldn't have moved on from that thing. Like, how do you know when to call it that? How do you know? That's a good question. That's a really good discussion. I would say that you've got to really look deep, like, okay, is this something, and this is like relevant to me, I guess, is this something that I feel like where I'm so in flow with it that I feel like I'm playing video games? Yeah. And is it something that I'm really good at? And then going back to you, like, is there product market fit? I think if you look at those three things, that'll give you some insight as to when to hold them and when to fold them. What do you think? Would you add yeah, anything? Yeah, I, w- I, would, I would agree because if you're missing any one of those, it's not going to work. Like if you're, if you can't make money from it, then okay, you're going to not, how are you going to survive? Doesn't work. If you, even if you have the other two, if you, if there's no product market fit, it kind of goes back to the first one. It's like, then how are you going to make money with it? And then the third one, like, do you enjoy it? And can you get in flow state? You can do it. Like that's one of the three you can maybe force for a certain amount of time Mm. but you're going to either burn out or you're going to be really bad at it and i've experienced this too i mean even certain parts of my own business i don't like doing and that's when you kind of get into like the outsourcing and building a team discussion Mm -hmm. and what you're not good at sure but the flow state is really important because in order to be consistent like we talked about you can't be forcing yourself every day because it's not going to work just going through the motions, doing like surface level shoddy work. One of the things that I always say now is like, you win through superior craftsmanship. And that requires getting in flow. Yeah. And if you don't, so if you don't enjoy what you do, you can't get in flow, which means you're not a real craftsman in the work that you produce, which in other words means you're not your commodity. Very good work. Yeah, yeah commodity. Exactly. That's that's the that's another thought I always try to have. How can I make that I learned recently? Like how can I make what I'm doing as far away from a commodity as possible? How mm. do I sophisticate mm. my product and my creativity and this business? 
how are you thinking about that right now with what you're currently doing? Yeah. So if you think of the core of it, so we're making, again, like for reference, we're making basically 15 to 60 second animated 2D video ads or videos for software companies. So a 30 second video is a commodity in this day and age because you have agencies that'll do it. You'll have freelancers that'll do it. I, you know, Fiverr. I mean, I get undercut by a lot and I sure. definitely turn away a lot of business of people, you know, like being like, this is too expensive and all that stuff, but it costs more for a reason. So the way I've sophisticated it that I still work on every day is there's a certain process we have when someone, so we have like a formal onboarding process. We have formal results. We have formal systems. We have an in-house team. We're now getting into some of the AI stuff. So if you talk about product market fit, the way we've positioned ourselves is if you you can get a 30-second video from any of the parties I mentioned, right? If you go to Upwork or Fiverr or something, the issue is they don't have formal systems. They don't sure. have formal results. A lot of the time, they're not in your time zone. Yeah. Maybe they barely speak English. Yeah. Even if they're it's fluent just, here you in- go. Right. Even if they're fluent in the, in the language you speak, a lot of times they use templates. So there's all these things yeah. that, again, like it's a, it's better than not having a video if you have a low budget. So that's one thing. And then on the other end of the spectrum with agencies, a lot of times they'll try to put you in a retainer. You'll have to do, they just make it hard for you. Like you'll have to do meetings with their creative directors and like all of this stuff, right? Uh, a lot of times they, and I'm speaking because I've, worked at an agency. Oh, I left that out for my story. So that was like the fourth business that failed. And so I'm speaking from experience. I know both ends of those spectrums because I've been on both. I've been a freelancer. I've worked at an agency. So why not create a product, which is what we do, that is the same product that would be considered a commodity, but it's the highest quality commodity you can get. And then attached to that is a specific and unique way we go about it. That makes it easier for the customers, saves them time, which in turn saves them money and headache. You know, they don't have to go hire a full-time video editor. They don't have to use an agency and they don't have to use a freelancer. So in a nutshell, that's there's a lot of intricacies, but can't share the trade secrets. Sure, sure. <laughs> Maybe an info product at some point, but yeah. Well, Scott, hey man, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me on. Good chat. Yeah. So let's wrap it up here. We've got videospark.io and there's just mm-hmm. look up Scott Millard on Twitter. Yep. Yeah. I don't think Connect. there's any other people with my name that are, would pop up first. Let me, I can check, but yeah, videospark, videospark.io is our website. My Twitter is at Scott C. Millard. And then same on basically same thing everywhere. YouTube, I think is at Scott Millard, LinkedIn. You'll find me with my name and that's, that's about it. Sweet. Thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, appreciate you. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of Building Freedom. My only hope for this podcast, my aim is that this inspires you to build a freer, fuller life, one where you're not enslaved by a business, whether that be your business or any other business, whether you're a business owner or self-employed. The aim of this show is to help you build a freer, fuller life. And there are many ways to do that. And that's what we showcase on this show each week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be well.